there is this group of like older Southern ladies who just one of them l fell in love with the people's supper, got mm -hmm. the bug. And she in like very like with precision decided she was going to invite people she knew were conservative mm. and people she knew were liberals and that they were all going to get together as ladies and they were going to have these and not just one that they were going to have suppers and they were going to keep meeting and they're still going like, <laughs> like once a month and they adore each other awesome. and they're really clear that like I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat and they haven't changed each other's minds. Like they're, you know, it's not about that. Welcome to Let's Give a Damn, the podcast that inspires and equips you to give more dams than ever before. I'm your friend and your host, Nick LaPara. Roughly 25% of our listeners are from outside the U.S. Whether you live in the U.S. or not, though, you don't need me to tell you that America is more divided than ever. We can chat and or argue all day about why we are more divided than ever, but we are not going to focus on those things today. What we are going to focus on is how do people that believe different things and value different things, how can these types of people come together to find common ground around food and drink? Right after the inauguration in 2017, three groups came together to launch a project called 100 Days, 100 Dinners. It's very self-explanatory. That turned into the People's Supper in the matter of a few months. The People's Supper aims to repair the breach in our interpersonal relationships across political, ideological, and identity differences, leading to more civil discourse. And they plan to do it in the most nourishing way possible, over supper. That's all I'm going to tell you for now, because I'm going to let my guests, Mickey Scott Bay Jones and Margaret Ernst, tell you the rest. Mickey is the Director of Resilience and Healing Initiative at Faith Matters Network, and Margaret is the Program Manager at the Faith Matters Network. They're amazing. They have lots to share with you. You're going to love them. Are you ready? Let's do this. It is a huge joy for me to welcome Mickey Scott Bay Jones and Margaret Ernst to the podcast. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. We have a lot to cover. You both have done so, many, so much amazing work. And this is a very timely conversation. We're, usually I record podcasts four or five weeks out. This one is being recorded on a Monday, being launched the following Tuesday for very specific reasons. We're here to talk about... A lot of things, but we're here to talk about the People's Supper. Before we get to the People's Supper, let's get to know you both. So let's start with you, Mickey. Before we get into even the, 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 the work that takes up the bulk of your time, let's figure out for a few minutes who you are. Give us any of the people, places, and things that would help us. And go back as far as you want to. Go back two years or to, <laughs> to when you were a child. And just give, like, help us get to know you based on like things that happened to you, things that happened for you, just different things like that. And then we'll jump over to you, Margaret. So I'm Mickey Scapé Jones, the justice doula. And for a, over a decade, I was a birth and postpartum doula. Um, so I come from that world of helping people birth new life into the world. Mm. Um, and then uh, I, it became clear to me that those same skills could be used to birth more love, justice, and shalom into the world. And so that's what I do now. So that 
takes form in a lot of different ways. Um, and some of that is the work that we do with the People's Supper, so we'll talk about that more later. Um, but um, what really motivates me is, is where I come from. And I'm a mom, I have three kiddos, um, and they're bigger now, 18, 15, and 12. So, um, mm. which just means, you know, maybe more food and different needs, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's... Quick pause. Yeah. I have a f six, five, and a four-year-old. We uh, talked about this on the, yeah. on the video call a few <laughs> weeks ago. Does it change much? Like, what are the, what are the big... I know, I know every kid and family are different, but yeah. little kids to 12, 15, 18. Mm -hmm. What do you prefer? Which one do you oh, prefer? Oh, I mean, I love... I'm a great baby mom. I am a fantastic, if I My wife's say a so great myself. Baby mama. I'm a great baby yeah. mom. Um, because all you have to do is like strap them into your back, bring yep. them in front to breastfeed them, yep. like, you yep. know, Change sleep. Diapers, like, sleep. yeah, it's yep. great. Like, I'm really great at that. And then I just basically want to give them away from like three to like 11. Mm. <laughs> and then I love teenagers. Yeah, okay. So I'm having a great time right now. Okay. Because they're teenagers. Wonderful. Yeah, you're um, having intelligent, mature ish oh conversations. Gosh. Yes. Yep. And I have smart, funny, like reliable, like lovely humans that yeah. live in my house. That's helpful. Right? So they're really, really great. Um, there's really nothing they can do to shock me anyway. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I've done all that. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. You want to get what pierced? Yeah, Good. You got you. Yeah, like yep, yep. I have a tattoo. Like I'm yeah. not, you're not going to shock me. Yeah. Um, so they're really, really great. Um, but I think toddlers and teenagers are very close in like what they need in the world. So it's not, it doesn't change that much except for they just need a lot less supervision. And now they want to go places like they have their own friends and want to go places. Yeah. Now. And I'm like, this is really annoying. Yeah. I bet it's like nice in one way, but really hard in another way. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, you're not bugging me anymore, but, yeah. or I don't have to like watch over you all the time, right. which is what I'm in the middle. Like my wife and I, yes. like we have to watch them every second Constant or we're at the hospital again. Right. Um, and they're still at the hospital when we are watching them. Right. But, um, but yeah, now they don't need you and that's got to yeah. hurt a little bit. And right? now they want to go, you know, hang out with their friends. And I was banned from the, from the uh, school dance the other day because I like to, I think it's my job to teach all of the children the wobble. Sure. I've taught they the wobble on like three continents now. And I'm like, I need to, it's my thing in the world is teaching the wobble to people. It's on your resume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. World, world yeah. wobble teacher. That's right. Okay. So. And pause about the kids. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Keep going. There sorry. Go. I just wanted to get that in. Um, so, so that's, uh, in a way, my primary work is being a mama to three and, um, and, and it's what fuels what I do. I mean, they, they have, they brought me my work in the world, whether it was birth work, whether it's that I want a different world for my children to live in. Um, and so it's precisely because of that, that I get up in the morning and do what I do. Um, and I am a northerner by birth and a southerner sort of by choice and by force at this point. <laughs> yes. I also see myself as a world citizen. I have friends all over the world and see myself um, kind of living that expat life at some point yeah. um, when they're grown. Mm -hmm. um, of course, committed to staying here until they're grown. And then it'll be like, catch up with mom wherever she is yeah, on, exactly. <laughs> on the planet. Yeah, um, I love it. So, so yeah, and I just, I am really dedicated to the health and well-being of people. I want us to um, to live and not die, kind of as the gospel song says. Yeah. And so I am really passionate about um, about not only how to like the the justice we achieve eventually, right? Like 
I think that the means actually are the ends. Like if we're not actually taking care of each other and ourselves as we go towards justice, then it's not justice. Mm. Like we're not actually building mm. justice. Um, and I think you have to center the most marginalized people in that. So like, you know, we'll get into the people suffer, sure. but like yeah. even in that we've always had a, like a, we started with a healing guidebook and a, um, bridging guidebook because mm. it was important that if people that are just like we need to do our own healing together like if that was it that's what you do you don't have to bridge with somebody if you're just not if that's not the space you're in today so so that is what really motivates me and um and all of that also is based in for me my faith um you know i consider myself a faith-rooted organizer and a contemplative activist um and, and so it's like all of that is intertwined with who I am on a daily basis too. I love it. You know? I love it. So, Thank you for that snapshot. Yeah. Margaret, your turn. Sure, sure. Tell us, uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you. So I'm glad Mickey um, started talking about dancing because that is probably where I'd feel the least comfortable. Um, I, one thing about me is that I played Frenchie in my high school's version of Grease. Mickey doesn't oh. know this. <laughs> and Did not know that. What, you, what Mickey also doesn't know, which I'd love to share with her in the world now, is that I was notorious for not being able to dance on the left side of my body. So I could like do the shuffle that was required of us on the right side and move three steps to the right, but not actually move to the left. then you couldn't go left. left, so you just keep going right. So You're I just, just kept on moving off the stage. Um, That's awesome. But I do love to sing. And so that was going to be my segue in talking a little bit more about who I am. Um, I am from, also a transplant from the North, living here in Nashville. And I came into my vocation as a person of faith in justice work, really kind of sideways through, um, through church, realizing that churches were places where it's okay to sing in public. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that experience of being vulnerable with folks, even if, um, even if we're often not having the kinds of conversations we should be having in church, at least we can sing there. So uh, I got into the church through, um, through music and through choirs, and then eventually became in love with a justice-loving Jesus, and my uh, eyes were opened to a much deeper experience of faith than I had been told growing up. Um, what else about me is that I'm a queer woman, I'm a white woman, I am the child of a trans woman who came out to me and um, others in my family when I was in college. Mm. And a lot of the edges that I sit on within church communities and within social movements and in community organizing and activism, um, and also just my family experience as well, shapes the, um, how I like to translate a lot between spaces, whether it's translating out to um, folks who don't have loved ones who are trans, for instance, um, or within, um, within and between traditional religious spaces and more secular movement spaces. Um, I like to be a, help to be a translator and also to, to my, Mickey uses the word doula and I probably am more comfortable in a, in a lineage of chaplaincy and um, of holding space um, as, a, as a chaplain, whether it's actually in front of people like in a hospital or um, in a situation of crisis or whether it's in the collective spaces. That we that we find ourselves in, and that we where we need to be witnessing each other more deeply. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. While you have the mic on you, tell me about you're the program manager at the Faith mm -hmm. uh, Matters Network. 
what does that entail? What do you spend a lot of your time sure, doing? Sure, yeah. So right now, um, a lot of my work is with the People's Supper, which we'll, we'll talk about, um, and helping the People's Supper actually come to life in many contexts and communities. So when people are hungry for the kind of conversations that we have envisioned with the People's Supper, my job is to come alongside them and to make that happen as responsibly as possible. I love it. Mm -hmm. Now, we were just talking before the the mics went on that we need to get uh, Margaret a more creative uh, title, Title, right? yeah. But you already have one of those. Yeah. Uh, you're the Director of Resilience and Healing Initiative at Faith Matters yeah. Network. So tell me about that. What what sort of work does that entail for you? Yeah. Some of it is, is I mean, it seems fairly self-explanatory, but I'm sure it's more. Sure. Well, it just means I get to live out this um, dream and obsession of bringing, centering healing in our movements um, for justice. And so... Um, sometimes that looks like, um, our, the, the, a program that I've done called the Sisters of the Yam, which I based off, uh, Bell Hook's book, Sisters of the Yam. Um, and that was a, a circle for black women, um, where we could talk outside of the white gaze, just talk about what it means to be, um, be black women Mm -hmm. and to be in our bodies and to, love ourselves and to heal. Um, and that was part of a, a broader um, initiative called the Hush Harbor Initiative. Again, this, which was really based on, um, have you ever heard of Hush Harbors? No. So it was um, these kind of uh, churches that mm. were, so a brush harbor, or a hush harbor, were literally like buildings made out of the brush, out of trees and oh, wow, bushes and... Um, black enslaved people would go and find these places and have church together um, and would form these communities, these faith communities where they could worship together, they could be together, they could be themselves, they could, um, you know, come up with plans and and just celebrate and mourn and do all these things that they weren't allowed to do. Um, Because even if the slave master allowed them to have church. They, they usually had to have a white person in attendance to make sure they weren't doing anything bad. Wow. And so many of these also were led by women um, because they were these informal gatherings. And so, so I've, my vision is to continue that by having these spaces where black women and also women of color in general can come together. And so that we, I've run a cohort of that. Um, the, some of our people's supper work fall, falls under the um, resilience and healing initiatives um, because we're really talking about bringing people together um, to heal individually and together. Um, and then um, also my, 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 my baby baby right now that I'm <laughs> in the midst of birthing, that we're birthing is um, this uh, is movement chaplaincy too. The mm. idea that there can be chaplains in movement space. So right now we're in the middle of building that curriculum out as well. We've been playing with it for a couple of years and now it's really time to bring it into existence. So, so just like different programs. I mean, we, we, uh, we have learning journeys, like we've been doing all these different things to try and bring healing, um, and, and, and build resiliency. So it's not just about always repairing, right? Like you are trauma, 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 and now we have to heal from it. But how do we actually feel stronger so that we can be sustained in this work? Sure. In both our faith and in our, um, like, making the world a better place. How do we get sustained in that so we're not just constantly burning out and, you know, 
burning ourselves up on the altar of justice. Cause I think we can do that too. Just get so obsessed with like, well, we have to do this campaign and we, we, we've got to, you know, get, make sure everybody votes and we, and, but we got to make sure this passes and this, and we're just so stressed out yeah, we are, that it's like people are having heart attacks and people are, you know, just at just each anger. other. Yeah. Oh, anger just and anger. just upset yeah. and, and like destroying relationships and, so, like, how do we actually create a different thing so we're not eating each other alive and, and like, literally physically our bodies are decaying faster because we're out there trying to do good in the world? Like That's crazy. If we're all dead by the time we have, like, yeah. you know, good wages and equal pay, then what's, what's the point? So I want to change that. And so I play with different ways of making that happen and hopefully inspiring other people to make that happen. So that's the Faith Matters Network, and that's beautiful. I love the work that you two are doing. How many, how big is the team, or how small is the team? Small. It looks like five or six. Small, tiny little team. That's it's great. It's Jen, Reverend Jen Bailey, who started it all, um, and who's currently suffering for the Lord in Paris, France. Of course she is. Um, <laughs> with her beloved husband. Um, and then Rachel turns. Okay, I said that right. Um, is our... Fellow, is that the title? Yeah. So we yeah, have that's sure. our that's our little team right I now. And it. then we work with other people from time to time. Like um, we're gonna be working with some organizers to work on some get out the vote stuff, right? And so, but also doing theological reflection with that, like getting teams together to reflect theologically about what it means to be an engaged citizen and actually doing some action with that. Because what do you have to reflect on if you're just like sitting around in a circle talking about it? You need, to, you need to actually engage the topic. And so we'll be doing that. But we won't necessarily be doing all of that work. We, we then, um, you know, some of the, the grant money we get, we're able to then put some of that money in the hands of somebody else. So even like give a little work to somebody else. And then they're able to, to do that with us as their kind of support and backbone. Love it. Love it. Okay, let's talk. This is primarily why we're here. We're yeah. here because we want to get to know each other. Yeah. But we're primarily here to talk the people supper. Yep. And this is an exciting thing for me uh, on, a, on a lot of levels. We probably won't get to talk about too many of those levels today, but it's a very exciting thing um, what you all are doing. So you guys can, for those listening, uh, we have one mic for the two of them, so they'll be stealing it back and forth. Um, but talk to me about the people supper. Uh, and, and why don't we begin with how the hell it started? Like, how did it start? Because um, I think the timing, everything will speak to how valid of a thing this is. I think so. When I was hearing it, I was like, oh, this, this, was, this was birthed at the right time, right? This, this wasn't birthed out of anxiety or hatred or uh, anything other than this is a needed thing right now. Yeah. Um, so start there with the origin story. And then let's talk through... I'll interrupt a few times, but why don't you just take yep. us, both of you take us through the origin story all the way to calls to action, because we're doing this in a timely manner. We're recording this on October 1. We're releasing on October 9 uh, because of these upcoming midterm elections and uh, this new thing that you guys are doing that you'll talk about. Um, so just go for it. Let it all out. The people suffer. <laughs> Who, what, when, where, and why. Yeah, so the People's Supper was started by um, Jen, who we were talking about, um, Reverend Jen Bailey, um, who is the executive director of the Faith Matters Network, and then um, two of her friends, um, Emily May, who's the director of Hollaback, and um, Lennon Flowers, who is the director of the Dinner Party. Um, 
And so we're three really different organizations. I mean, Hollaback deals with online and street harassment. The dinner party gets people together who have experienced a significant loss hmm. and and helps them process their grief around the dinner table. So um, very dis- different. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so really different organizations. And um, after the election, these three women were all just stunned with kind of not necessarily the outcome, sure the outcome, but really the the inability for us to like even talk to each other, yeah. like how, how kind of paralyzed we all were yeah. by that moment yeah. and said, okay, so there will be lots of opportunities to do things. And we all know lots of organizers and people doing things, but like, what could we do just in this moment to bring people together? And so the idea of bringing people together for dinner started and it just started with, we're going to do uh, for the next 100 days, the first 100 days of the new administration, we're going to try and get 100 people to have dinner with each other. Beautiful. So it just started with literally hashtag 100 days, 100 dinners. And that's when Jen roped me in and she's like, we can do this, right? Like we can totally get people together for a hundred. And I was like, okay. Cause I'm like, I've got a, all these other projects on my desk. Yeah. And like, this is not oh. the only thing we're doing right. here. Yeah. I was like, okay, a hundred dinners. I can handle that. So we get 100 dinners in, and people loved it. Again, we had the bridging guidebook and a healing guidebook, and we thought, you know, some people will dig this. This will be great. Um, We'll have this fun little project that we do. We'll feel like we're contributing in some way to kind of bring the country together. And it people loved it. Like, it went crazy. And there was no way we could stop at 100 days. And so that's when it became the People's Supper. And we said, okay, we're in. We don't know how long, we don't know what's gonna happen, and we're in. And so now, um, many guidebooks later, we have now done guidebooks, um, and I do a lot of the writing on the guidebooks and some of the other materials that we've produced. For the 4th of July, we did a pledge to one another instead of a pledge to a pledge of allegiance to the flag um, and asked people to have barbecues and pledge to the people in their neighborhood. Um, and actually, I like wrote a pledge, and then um, that they we, each wrote their own. No, I wrote, you wrote one, the and then we asked people to pledge what they do want to pledge to each yep. other in their neighborhood. Yep. Um, That's great. And like topics you wouldn't necessarily think about, I actually um, wrote one on abortion mm-hmm. with this uh, organization called Exhale. That's not pro-life, pro-choice. They're they're pro-voice. So they just are like, let's talk about abortion stories, mm. and what I've experienced, what you've experienced, and so we actually wrote a guidebook on that. Um, We did one about violent trauma after Charlottesville, um, about Me Too. So so now we've had kind of these topical guidebooks as well, other than the healing and the bridging, and we've um, brought over 1,200 people, is that what we're up to? And um, no, sorry, 1,200 suppers, Suppers, 4,000 people. Amazing. Most of these suppers are people, six, eight, 10 people around a kitchen table. Um, and then we have our big old suppers, um, some of the largest being, you know, we, we were asked by the Obama Foundation to come and do one as part of the first Obama summit. Amazing. Right. So, but also right now we're working with the Heartland Summit, which is, you know, by the Walmart folks, right? So it's like, we're not sitting on one side of the aisle saying this is only for progressives or this is only for conservatives. We're really serious about trying to be, bring lots of people to the table and people who wouldn't who right now maybe feel like they can't talk to their neighbor 
um, or the person they go to church with who they're convinced voted a certain way or whatever. We actually want to see if we can and, and at least try it. Um, the, the phrase that I like is practice makes possible. Like mm. we just got, we, we can at least practice doing this together and see what the possibilities are. But if we don't even practice, it won't be possible. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily make us perfect because you have to practice perfectly to end up with a perfect result. That's not what practice is about. It's about continuing to do it so that the possibility emerges for something better. Friends, we do ads on the podcast here and there. You've heard some of them. In fact, we just finished a run of ads with our friends at Goodwill Co. in Portland, Oregon. But what I love the most is when you all support this podcast by giving a couple of dollars each month to help us do what we do better and more of it. Did you know that we have a Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash let's give a damn. That's patreon.com slash let's give a damn. So here's the deal. Up until this weekend, we had four tiers on there. $1, $5, $10, and $25 a month. And each tier came with different perks. This weekend, I went with my gut and I changed all of that. I asked the six people that were giving us $25 per month and the five people that were giving us $10 per month to change their gifts to $5 a month. Now, why would I do that? Why would I want less of your money? Well, I wanted to make the tiers simpler. So as of right now, there are two tiers. There's a $1 a month, which is amazing and we're grateful for it. We're grateful for that $1 donation and we will take it. Then there is the $5 a month tier, which communicates to me and to my team that you love us, you love the podcast, and you want to help us keep the podcast ad-free for the rest of time. So for the price of one coffee per month, you can help us not only stay on the air, that doesn't make any sense because that's a radio term, but you can help us not only stay on the air, but you can also continue to help us grow who we are and what we do. So I will wrap up this long-winded ad of sorts by asking you to check out patreon.com forward slash let's give a damn, or you can go to our Instagram, click on the link in the bio, and it'll take you there. Okay, back to the show. Margaret, what's uh, some of the feedback that you all have gotten? So 1,200 suppers, 4,000 people, like just generally. I mean, I imagine we could probably just encapsulate it in, holy shit, like that was amazing. We needed that. I needed that. I didn't know this person. Now I do. We, we got past politics and we're talking, you know, there's a lot of things. But like, um, is, there any, is there any kind of data or feedback you can point to um, from these suppers? Yeah, I think what is some of the big learnings that we've had um, collectively across the three organizations that we work with in the People's Supper, because we didn't quite mention this in the origin story, but um, we work with two other organizations, the Dinner Party and Hollaback, and as we have learned alongside of them, um, we've realized that the one of the hardest divisions to bridge is is partisan difference. Mm -hmm. And even though this project was came into being in the context of um, the 2016 election as, as a way of figuring out how to talk to each other, um, and really just talk, <laughs> as, we, as we mentioned, just to be in the same space um, where we can share our stories across political difference in a way that is uh, actually vulnerable and that allows us to speak about who we are. Um, 
that that's really hard and that there's a lot of reasons why it's hard because mm -hmm. it's not just about how we're voting, right? It's about um, real harm that is, is, it, mm -hmm. that is happening in this season and real people who are being targeted and, and violence that is occurring. So it's, I think that what we've continued to learn is, is one, how to, how, to, um, how to bring folks to the table who feel like they'll be shouted at. So <laughs> we've gotten feedback that most, it's mostly progressives, really, who are wanting to host these suppers. Um, and it's harder to get conservatives to, to want to create these spaces. And that's partly what we're, we're hoping to change with the Midterm 5 project. Um, but also, I think we've continued to try to learn what's the difference between what we're trying to create with the People's Supper and the kind of um, mutual transformation that can happen at these tables. What's the difference between that and the sacredness of that and the idea of just being nice across difference, because what we are not trying to create is a sort of glamorization of respectability or politeness um, or you know, suppressing political conversation, but rather we're trying to start from a place of talking about people and stories and not uh, just the way that we're seeing each other being talked about on the news, which I would say is in terms of um, you know, just are you a blue dot or are you a red dot? <laughs> and like, what, is, what does this mean in this sort of larger voter database and who's going to turn out and um, you know, what's going to happen in November? And we're, we're, we're not seeing who uh, the incredible um, three dimensions of who we actually are as people underneath uh, those, those data points. You just said something that caught my, my interest. I'm, I'm a progressive as well. Um, but you said that progressives are more inclined to host these suppers, but and conservatives are. So when you said the conservative side, is that they're just not as likely to host these, or when they receive the invitation to be part of one, they're not as likely to be part of one? And why? I'm guessing is it is it poor communication on this side inviting them? It's like the objective, or is it them saying I just don't want to I don't want to engage in that? Do you have any sense of that? You don't have to if if there's not enough data there. Um, I'm just kind of wondering how. Like, what's behind that question or that, that statement that you just made? I think that some of it is certainly just by nature of who our networks are, right? I mean, all the three organizations are women and people of color and queer-led, right? So we're in networks that are, uh, generally speaking, on the more progressive side of the spectrum. Um, from the beginning, we've tried to be building bridges with folks who are coming on a different side of the spectrum um, and might want to be more involved. And those conversations have been tense and, and fraught, but sometimes on our end as well, right? Because we don't, we um, want to figure out how to have these tables in a way that's going to be as safe for, for people as possible. Um, but as Mickey said, we know that that's also, um, that's, that's not a destination, right? So we have to figure out how to do it and have the conversations bravely. But it's, it is, it's, it's challenging. I'd love, I'd love Mickey to speak on that as well. Yeah, and I think, so what happens is we, our materials are free on our website, right. peoplesupper.org. Right like now. you can yep. go download the guidebooks and do it. At the beginning, we were doing some matchmaking, right? So we were, people were actually sure. like yeah. hosts were coming to us to help them fill their tables. And now we don't do that anymore. We just were completely out of capacity to do that. So we, and, and we didn't want to do it, you know, do a shitty job. So we just don't, we don't do it anymore. Um, so we don't have necessarily all the data on people who are just, again, like doing this at their kitchen table with six friends or with six people in their neighborhood. So I would suspect there are, like, there, would pro there are probably more conservatives that are using it that we don't know about um, 
but I, but I do know of some, like I actually live south of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and I'm like right up against, I'm actually in the Murray County side, so I'm uh, right up against Columbia, which is a very old southern town. <laughs> I mean, like, you could like still smell the segregation. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very much like that. Um, but my friend Kelly hosted a supper there, you know, and brought different people to the table. There is this group of like older southern ladies who just one of them l fell in love with the people's supper got mm -hmm. the bug and she in like very like with precision decided she was going to invite people she knew were conservative mm. and people she knew were liberals and that they were all going to get together as ladies and they were going to have these, and not just one, that they were going to have suppers and they were going to keep meeting. And they're still going, like, <laughs> like once a month. And they adore each other. That's awesome. And they're really clear that, like, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, and they haven't changed each other's minds. Like, they're, you know, it's not about that. And I, yeah, and, and just so that's cool. beautiful because to me, in this conversation, I'm learning a lot in this season of life. It's not about like sure it'd be great to change some minds along the way if if we're really compelling in our argument, but that's not really the point. Yeah, because we're all, to the day that we die, we have to figure out a living community with people that we don't agree with. Because if it's not political stuff, it's how to raise like raise kids or yeah. how to be in a in a relationship, how to part like all that stuff. We're always going to find people that believe differently than us, and if we make our life goal to get everybody to believe what we believe. Like, you're the worst person yeah. to be around. Nobody's yeah. going to want to be around you. Right. So, okay, cool. You know, 2020, hopefully, like, Trump is out of our hair for a little bit, right? Even if that happens, then we have our new set of things, yeah. right? Like, it, it's never going to stop. So the point is to get there where it's, like, in our immediate, not our peripheral. I think in our very close community, we have people that vehemently disagree on yeah. big things, and we still love the hell out of each mm -hmm. other. Yeah. I think that's the way forward. Yeah. Right? It seems like you do too. Yeah. That's a, you know, you both do because that's, that's what this is about. Yeah. It's like, and, let's have these conversations. Right. And it's, you know, we have to, like, I live this out every day of my life because I literally, again, live in this tiny town, very Southern, very white, very Republican. Um, and I am a black woman who is very progressive. And like, I, I, like, I, I actually do want to move people a position on certain things. Like sure. I, I, you know, I have agendas I'm, and I'm very clear. And I think we all have agendas. hundred percent. But I, I also can smell it a mile away when somebody's like coming at me to try and change me. Nobody wants that. But where, like, I haven't always had the beliefs I had. And I, and part of the way that I've changed is people that were, that stayed in relationship with me. Um, and that's not like, that doesn't mean I have to stay in relationship with everybody that everybody has to stay in relationship with me, but because of some of those people that we have been able, that I've been able to connect with, I've changed as a person. And, and so Absolutely. that's what part of, that's what part of this is about is like, how, how can we actually still learn to be in relationship with each other? Um, you know, like I have a friend who lives across the street who like texted me after the election and was, and was like, um, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you I voted for Trump. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, Where do and we that go? was the first yeah. we had ever talked about it. And I'm still in deep relationship. She gets my mail when I'm out of town. Like I love her. 
And I'm not going to lie to her and not say what I, you know, I'm still going to say everything I need to say, but I'm not giving up on her. But I can't do that necessarily for everybody. Um, And so I'm not even saying everybody will leave this supper with like being friends with everybody at the table and you're now going to get together all the time. Some groups do that. Some people find one person that they can. But they might talk go back. To. They might leave that supper to go back to their community. Absolutely. And implement those things that they learned there. We can actually have yeah. a conversation about this. And they might like maybe because we have like had interfaith suppers and things like that. And maybe they like sit across from somebody who's a different religion of them. Sure. And it's the first time that they've ever really had a conversation like that. And then when they meet somebody else in their life who's the same religion as that person, they're like oh, I don't have to be scared of them now. Like, I know a little bit about what they believe or just that they're normal people like me. And so now I can talk to the person at my workplace who's the same religion as that person who was at my supper. Margaret, midterm five, that's what's coming up, right? So I think by the time this conversation comes out, that the press release will be out about the midterm five, which is what I think a lot of people, if they hear this and are intrigued by it, they'll get involved in it. So what, what is this? Yeah, sure. So across these thousands uh, or more than a thousand separates that have happened with this project, we have been trying to learn along the way, like you said, Nick. And because we've found partisan difference, voting difference, you know, one of the hardest bridges to build, we've tried to take it on head on <laughs> in the Perfect. hardest, I love that. in my the people. hardest time yeah. we possibly could. Um, so right, the idea, the vision of the midterm five is a particular series of the people's suffer uh, at the height of the midterm election season. Um, so in, in a few days, uh, we'll be launching a page on our website that has an amazing toolkit that Mickey created, um, and that can be downloaded and has a lot of the wisdom that she brings um, and personal experience she brings into having these conversations. Um, And to make that available for anybody who wants to do it in their own home, to intentionally gather people across partisan difference in this time and to make space for a different kind of conversation. Um, We are also hosting big suppers in five cities across the country, five cities and towns and and rural places across the country. We're trying to model this on a larger scale. So it's looking like these intimate gatherings, people's homes, uh, and also what we call big old suppers, which are uh, up to um, 100 to 200 people in a room having these conversations at six uh, tables of six to eight people each. And we're working in North Carolina. We're working in, um, in... Virginia, we're working in Grand Rapids, Michigan, working in different places across the country. Pick some pretty tricky places, yeah. y'all. <laughs> we just want to go all in. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so they are actually intentionally purple places. Yeah. Um, but there are places where we had where you know, one of one of our team or somebody in our various organizations that are working on this had some kind of existing relationship. Um, so that was the other thing I was going to add about I think what we've learned and what we're trying to to really Uh, channel into the Midterm 5 project is that often a lot more, um, or rather what leads to the success of of these dinners, uh, or rather like something um, of substance happening at the dinners, is less to do with like just the right discussion questions or like, you know, what food was created, but more about the invitation that brought someone into that space to begin with. And that's what we're, what we've learned about say, bringing together 100 people or 200 people across political lines in a place like Charlotte or a place like Grand Rapids is you don't actually need to know 200 people um, to, you know, to host an event like that. Sure. You do need to know 10 people yep. who, in the community who have politically diverse networks and uh, networks that are diverse in other ways. And if everybody who's invited to that supper trusts one person who invited them there, they're there. 
they're at yeah. they're at the table, yeah. and then we can do what what we um, as best as we possibly can to craft questions that bring out what people's experiences are, and so we're not just having uh, conversations that are only about ideology or you know, the article you just read <laughs> that made you real mad or you know what's what's happening on Twitter that day, but going into who we who we are as um, as people and what you know, how we want to be seen, where, places where we've felt unseen, and what can change that. So call to action. We're wrapping up here. We're getting close to the end. Uh, thepeoplesupper.org. Yep. On Friday, when is this? When is the midterm five, um, like materials and explanation I and all that? I think so. It should be up by the 5th okay. of October. Okay. Um, and that's when the, the um, guidebook and toolkit should be up. So in the theory, on October 9, when this releases... Go to thepeoplesupper.org right now. Mm -hmm. It's there. Get involved. Let us know. If you let me know, uh, let's give a damn family. I'll let them know. And they'll know, obviously, if they, there's a, you know, when they yep. download, they'll give you their email or whatever. So you know yep. what's going on. That, yep. whole, that whole thing. Wonderful. Um, I really want you to get involved in this. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and this is really, like I said a few, a few times, and we've said this a few times, this is one of the primary ways that we're going to be able to, because I have family members like literally immediate family that voted for Trump. And we've had the same on my wife's family and my family. And we've had discussion after discussion. We stopped having discussion after discussion because yeah. it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And the, what I learned is when it first happened, you know, we woke up the next morning. Um, I was very much looking forward to put politics aside, put whatever Hillary this, what, put all that aside. My children were all born under a, the first black president mm -hmm. and I wanted their next president to be a woman. I just did. Yeah. And instead we went back to the way it's always been, which yeah. is an old white guy. Yeah. And so that was partly devastating. And then just the, everything that happened, everything that happened after that, right? Um, the Muslim ban that came right after January 20, you know, like right away. It was like the first thing that he did. And, um, but, but demonizing the other side doesn't do anything. Like it, it, just, it just makes the divide bigger. But the, the many times now that we have brought people together for a conversation, it's been beautiful mm -hmm. because we all want the same things, right? Humans, no matter race, ethnic background, religious background, sexual orientation, we all want and need the same things mm -hmm. to thrive as a human. And when we can tap into that, that's when we can have great conversations. And the way that the universe and God made it to be is that most of those things happen wonderfully around food and drink. Mm -hmm. So let's circle it all back around. Yeah. It's like the conversations I've been able to have you know, over a few beers and you know, just a feast of meals or some wine, like way better conversations happen yeah. in that in that sort of a place. So last, last. Well, and can I just yeah, add something to that? The way people really change and really want to actually work together is when they actually care about the other person. Like when they actually, um, because yes, we all want the, and need the same things, but I don't think everybody's in touch with that. You see what I'm saying? 100%. Not everybody's yep. in touch with the fact that that I need the same thing because they may not even be able to see my full humanity. Like they're in touch with that they want it, but they're not. They don't even. They're not able to see me as a human enough, right, to yep. know that I need and want the same thing. So again, it's like not. I don't even know that everybody is like ready for this work. But when but people opt into these suppers, so they're they're at least like okay, I'm ready to to go, sure. to start, and so I think sometimes even we're afraid to like start engaging in social change because we're afraid we're going to do it wrong. Um, I might 
say the wrong thing or I don't know all the political things. And like, that's why people don't vote sometimes is because they're afraid they'll make the wrong decision because they didn't research every single candidate or every single issue. And part of this is reducing some of that, like fear of even stepping mm -hmm. in, right? How do we even just learn to engage each other again? Um, and not that it's always been rosy, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like there's plenty of like the U.S. has never been good in, in engaging across lines of difference. Like we've always had these kind of enclaves of of who we are, both by choice and by, you know, the way oppression works. Yeah. Um, so so it's like in no way do we want to like say that, oh, if we can just get like a white supremacist to the table with a black person, they will somehow like <laughs> change their Absolutely. mind and yeah. be, you know. But one, that does occasionally happen where like you see that miraculous change of someone who's just literally never talked to, you know, a Muslim. And then they're like, oh, wait, they're not You're all bad. Normal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, so those things do happen. And I think um, there are a lot of people who are in that squishy middle who really just kind of end up pulling to, to sides. Mm but they would really like to create a world that's different and they don't know how to do all the things right. And they just, and, but it can start with like building relationships. Like that's why there's no recruitment at these suppers. Like I, even if it's like sponsored by some organization or these organizations coming together, um, it's never about like, do not bring out a list and sign people up for stuff of this. Love it. Cause it's just not about that. Yep. Like you have to learn how to connect yep. with people. We have got to like form those relationships before we do any of that stuff. Like a lot of that relationship building. Um, so, so I'm like, don't bring that out for a long time. Like actually know each other. And I think that that like, if you know, somebody's kids birthdays then that that's real relationship right yeah. so like how do we form those really deep relationships yep. because also these suppers are like just a taste uh -huh. just a taste because it's not everything's not going to get solved in nope. a night and you're not going to become best friends overnight nope. but it's like again it's practice yep. in forming community yep. so just inviting people to that and just and just practicing telling our stories and listening to our stories so that's the one other thing that I would give people, the practical thing they can do right away without even going to the website is ask somebody you know that you meet in the next 24 to 48 hours a question that invites them to tell their story. And you just practice listening. So ask them, for example, what's something that's giving you hope right now? Just ask them that and then listen and see what they say. And don't argue with them when they, like... When they say, oh, you know, it's giving me so much hope to see, you know, women talk, telling their stories or people in general telling their stories of abuse right now because we haven't been able to talk about it. Then listen. And because often our first impulse is to be like, but don't you think? Or, but I get so depressed. Or no, just listen. Yep. And then they might invite you as well to talk. And if they do, then, then share. And, and it's that discipline of learning not to have an answer, not to rebut, not to like have to answer any of what they said, but just to invite them to tell their story. And that little piece, like just if people will play with that for 24 hours, 48 hours, like learning to do that with each other and just like story tell and listen to stories. I think that, that that's what we're getting to with all of this. And if we can learn to do that in our daily lives, 
that's going to bring about these deep relationships that we're often kind of missing in our very isolated communities. Fantastic. PeopleSupper.org. Margaret, Mickey, thank you so much for joining me today. This was wonderful. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, that was great, right? I'm so pumped that you got to hear about the People Supper. And guess what? You can get in on the action. Last weekend, they launched Midterm 5, essentially suppers that they are going to do for the few weeks leading up to the midterm elections. They're going to do five large suppers in cities and towns all over the U.S. And even if you can't make it to one of those, you can host your own. I'm hosting one in Nashville this week, and I'll report back next week about how it goes. You can go to thepeoplesupper.org slash midterm dash five. That's thepeoplesupper.org slash midterm dash five for more details. Or you can find the show notes for this conversation at podcast.letsgiveadam.com and the link to the People Supper Midterm Five will be there along with everything else. This podcast was edited by the amazing Chad Snavely and the music for this podcast is by the incredible artist and our friend Propaganda. Same day, same time next week, friends. Love you all. Bye for now.